Welcome to the Pregnancy Without Fear podcast. These podcasts are here to help you minimize your fear of childbirth. Too many women go through pregnancy being worried, anxious, or fearful. Well, I'll be sharing tips with you so you can have the mind of knowing. Did you know that fear is about not knowing? When you know, fear is minimized. It then means you can enjoy your pregnancy looking forward to your childbirth experience. You are listening to Pregnancy Without Fear podcasts with Delia Mohammed. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be in the world. This is another Pregnancy Without Fear podcast, and we have a very special, um, uh, how, can, who can we, how can we, interviewee, no, not interviewee, we've just got a special guest, <laughs> and her name is Dr. Ori Onabanjo. Now, Dr. Anab- Dr. Onabanjo is a chartered counselling psychologist with a passion for delivering psychological therapy for mums experiencing a range of mental health and interpersonal challenges. And she also runs workshops on perinatal mental health. Um, her, she also includes helping mums cultivate stronger act, uh, attachments with their babies and addressing the impact unresolved childhood trauma that can go through motherhood and on the motherhood journey. So she is specific in her area. She has been working in mental health now for five years, sorry, nine years, and in a variety of settings, including the NHS, charities, educational settings. And she brings a wealth of psychotherapeutic experience to her role as a psychologist, specializing in perinatal mental health. Dr. Ori Onabanjo, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your time with us to get this interview done, because I think it's lovely to speak to professionals in these, in these areas. And I think what you're doing is fantastic mental health. Please explain more about what you do, what, you know, expand on what I've already shared. Sure, sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really pleased to be here and to be part of this episode. Um, so as you've explained, um, I'm a counselling psychologist and I have worked in mental health for a number of years, but I have a particular interest in perinatal mental health. Um, I just think it's such an important area to focus on, um, thinking about um you know, parents and their children and just, you know, laying that foundation, um, which I believe makes a difference to how we grow up as adults, how we understand ourselves, um, the world and relate to other people in the future. So I think it's a really, really great area um, to work in. And I think, yeah, a lot of a lot of good can be done um, if you start early, really. So, um, yeah, so I do that. I work for the NHS, um, but I also, but in my private work, that's what I do. I, I work with mums, um, predominantly black right. mums, yeah, in the perinatal period. Mm. And what is that like at the moment, would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, well, given the current climate that we're living in, you know, I think mums are, the mums I work with anyway, or I've come across have, you know, they're experiencing a range of um, challenges. It's difficult um, doing the motherhood journey in lockdown. Um, But I think it's been really great to be able to work virtually and, you know, um, offer that support to mums during this time. It's work that I really, really enjoy. I find it really rewarding and it's really, um, it's really great to be able to offer that support and offer that safe space, um, you know, to the to the clients that I do work with. So, right. um, yeah. And why is perinatal mental health so important to you? Um, I think it's really important because the reality is that, um, you know, that's a really crucial time um, for us as babies, you know, so that's a really, really crucial time. And when, um, par- you know, children's parents, um, their mental health, 
suffering that impacts upon the child and it impacts upon the baby and the infant and um you know how they develop and I think it's such an important time to be able to intervene and I guess um put things in place uh you know not only put things in place you know to kind of help both parent and child to be as emotionally robust as possible and you know have the best chance of um, best chance in life um it's it's so key because it makes a huge difference it makes a huge difference even though you think Mm. of a baby and how well gosh you know do babies remember anything what do they know about what's happening but actually it's that relationship between um baby and you know caregiver whether it's mum dad or um, you know, whoever the primary caregiver, does, you know, is, that relationship develops over time and the building blocks of the emotional climate of the home make a real difference. And I, I you know, I work with adults as well, um, you know, not just mums, but other adults as well. And yes. childhood experiences, infant, um, in, you know, in experiences in infanthood really do make a, make a difference, really, because they, they're the building blocks for how we develop. So that's why I think it's so important, but also because the reality is, um, you know, 10 to 20% of, of mums do experience perinatal mental health issues. And, you know, suicide is one of the leading causes of death, maternal death. Um, really? Postnatally, yes, it is one of the leading causes. So, you know, a lot of mums struggle, a lot of parents struggle, not just mums, but a lot of dads struggle as well. And, you know, it makes a difference to the whole family system, the whole family network. Yes. For me, that's why I think it's um, really important. So it's a very long <laughs> explanation there. but No, yeah, not at all. I think it's, it's needed. It's needed. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I think it's also a really good opportunity, actually, for parents to reflect on their own experiences. Because the thing is, often when people become parents, um, it kind of makes them think about their own childhood. It can do, it's not, you know, universal for everyone. And it can sometimes bring up their own childhood experiences and things that were unresolved from that time. And actually it kind of confronts them with having to reevaluate how they see themselves, what their identity is. And so actually it's an opportunity to maybe resolve some things that have remained unresolved as well. Not only, you know, thinking about the benefit to the baby and creating um, as, as, as best conditions as you can for that baby to kind of thrive and develop. But it's also an opportunity for parents, I guess, to to heal some of their own past trauma, past difficult experiences right. and, and create that connection. It's it's to me, it's a, it's a, it speaks of hope um really during that time hope and potential for what what can be built for the future mm. yeah it's, would you say that um it could also the way that a, a mother or a woman carries in pregnancy could that also affect baby in the womb would you or would you say it's just from once a baby's born that trauma exists well i think you know the research shows that actually um if if if, you know if a mum is experiencing mental health difficulties or anxiety stress whatever it might be that that does um the baby responds to that um so i'm not a you know a medical doctor so i don't know the the biology or the neuroscience of it but um it does it does have an impact as in the baby response because it's still it's still a live being um even though it's not it's not born yet so i think it is it is important actually and there have been studies that have shown that you know maybe mums who have had you know had depression or mental health difficulties um that there's been links to maybe um infants or children later on down the line you know sometimes maybe having their own difficulties as well again this isn't a guarantee and this isn't to say if you have a mental health problem during pregnancy it means that you know something child it doesn't mean that because the reality is that these things can be reversed these things can be repaired um you know it's not possible to create perfect conditions so it's not it's not Mm. it's not um it's not a sign of something awful to come it is just that you know the research shows that there are links but again you know that's very kind of complex and nuanced um, as to what how those links developed and what and what they mean so it's not just it doesn't it does matter what's happening, the environment that that baby is in during, um, in in utero, but also I would say even more so when it, when it's born. Um, Yeah. I think that's so important because 
we can sometimes just feel that once a baby's born, that that's where it really starts from. But mm. if we really look at a woman carrying a baby mm. and she may be going through a lot of stress or pain, um, you know, domestic violence is one yeah. that's on the rise. And you just don't know what that woman is actually experiencing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she's the environment of her baby, then if that environment is stressed and tense, that whether the baby would have, you know, would it affect the baby in one way or another, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I asked, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's important to think about that right, um, you know, from the beginning, really. Yes. But but that is, yes. I think my main message I really want to get across is that it's not a, it's not a, it's not some sort of sentence or anything. It, you know, these things can be repaired and, of course. you know, and, and a lot of, um, you know, some of the work that I do and a lot of the work that other psychologists or parent infant therapists do is about helping to create that bond and to create that attachment. Um, because sometimes the, the, the um, disconnection in, in attachment can happen if somebody's experienced a traumatic birth, actually, and it's actually quite difficult to bond with their baby. Mm. And so, you know, parent-infant therapy can help that process, that can facilitate that process of mum getting to know baby and baby getting to know mum. So, yeah, there's there's ample opportunities, but the, the important thing is to start as early as possible, really, if right. it's possible, yeah. So you look at the importance of or you you see the importance of advocacy being you know um essential with birth trauma yeah yeah completely I think you know with, with the clinical work that I do and some of the themes that have come up is that often um you know this is this is also proven in the, in the research actually on birth traumas you know often mums will feel like they haven't had the opportunity to speak up or they've not been able to speak up or if they did speak up, they weren't listened to or, you know, it didn't feel like, you know, their care was centred around them. It sometimes felt like the care was more centred around what the professionals might have thought was best. And I think, I think it's, it can be a fine line because at the end of the day, the professionals know they're, they're the medical experts, as it were. But, um, and so, you know, there's certain things that they, information that they can give you and certain things that they know if this happens, this is likely to happen. But I think, um, you know, even within that, sometimes the space for the, for the woman or the, you know, the, the parents can get lost. That's, that's been, um, you know, my, so some of the themes that have come up in my own um, clinical experience, really. So I think advocacy is so important and, you know, mm. and, some, and that's some of the work that I do with women actually is around um, preparing for birth from a psychologically informed perspective um, and then also preparing for the postnatal period. But in the preparing for birth, it's very much around thinking about, well, you know, where would you place yourself on the continuum, continuum of assertiveness? How easy is it for you to speak up for yourself? How easy is it for you to ask for help or for you to call something out? Because if it's not so easy and it's not it's not easy for many of us, um, even in a lot more, you know, a lot less um, in, in situations that, where the stakes are a lot lower. It's really important to be able to have those conversations, because if you find that it might be hard for you to advocate for yourself, then it becomes about if you have a partner, maybe they can take on that role or, you know, that's where doulas come in. They're, they're brilliant yes. at, um, you know, supporting their clients, you, you know, through advocating for them. But for me, advocacy is very much about creating the, creating space for the mum, creating space for the woman within everything that's going on. And it's when that space is kind of impinged on or encroached on or, or they're made to feel kind of very small within the whole context of what's happening, that can lead to birth trauma. There's other reasons, but that whole the aspect of the interpersonal interactions that they have with staff and how they feel in relation to what's going on, that that's quite a significant contributing factor to why some, some, some people experience birth trauma. So yeah, I, mm. I think is essential really. And now with the COVID, there's been a lot of situations where, well, a lot of hospitals, I mean, it will, overall, all hospitals were not allowing anyone to go in with the labouring um, woman until she was in established labour, mm. whereas a lot of fathers, fathers-to-be, missed their mm. births because 
the hospitals, no one really knows what the situation was, but a lot of women ended up having their babies by themselves. Mm. And also a lot of mothers or women, when they were having their first scan, were told that the partner couldn't come in Mm. with them. And they would find out that their babies had passed in the womb, but there was no one there to secure, to, you know, to make them feel safe. Mm. So they were there by themselves. And and I do wonder how these women, when they were going through this sort of um, hell, really, how they coped or how they're actually coping. Have you spoken to anyone or have you heard of this um yeah definitely i've 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 definitely heard of um you know um women in in this sort, sort of situation i suppose in terms of the women that i've ended up working with more recently um you know thankfully a lot of them have had support um and have not necessarily been specifically in that in that situation but you know at the same time there have been some people i've spoken to where um, that's been a real concern of theirs, a massive concern of theirs. Yes. And going into, you know, to have a baby and knowing that, you know, your partner can't be there. You know, I know there's limits around, you know, after the baby's born, how long the part, you know, before how long the partner can stay. And so there's yes. been a lot of concerns. And yes, you can keep connected virtually and, you know, all of these things, but it's not the same as having that reassuring physical presence. Um, really so I I imagine it's been really really tough really really difficult and you know it's it's been in the you know in the news um, recently in the media recently kind of thinking about how so many women have had you know mums have have received bad news about their pregnancies or and actually they've received that news on their own and you know the thing is support is so key during this period because the research shows that you know, a lack of social support, a lack of feeling supported is one of the contributing factors to, de- to developing things like um, postnatal depression or, yes. you know, you know, anxiety or, or any other mental health difficulty that can be experienced mm. during this time. And I think that isolation is a, is a real is a real issue. So it's been great. that A lot of work has been done virtually but I, I don't know I think we're really going to continue we're going to see the the repercussions of this I think for many for quite a while to come I imagine to yes. be honest yes it's as though there's there's been like um like an exorcism really of everybody um in one way or another whether it be the isolation or wearing the mask or having the vaccine or you know having um lost a loved one, a family member, but yeah, you're right. There is going to be some, uh, yeah, this is very, uh, what can I say? It, it's, it really does mm. hurt and it's a physical hurt. It's not just a mental, mm. it's also physical as well, because in pregnancy, um, women, it's, it's a tactile, yes. mm. you know, face to face. Women love to go and see their midwives and their doctors, regardless of yes. what the, you know, the kind of information they get. But the whole point is that they get that face-to-face. They get to be able to be touched. Yes. And, you know, and that all of that goes out yeah. the window now. Yeah. Really. yeah, that contact is so important for so many for it so is. many people. And I guess, you know, with all the PPE and the masks and the... Yes. it just kind of de- depersonalizes it to some extent and it does. it's you know I can't imagine it's easy you know for for midwives doctors to kind of you know communicate empathy and reassurance and yes. all of these things with all these barriers in the way which are absolutely necessary yes. but it's just thinking about you know the 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 impact because for some people it can be such a scary you know there are there's people are still concerned you know COVID is still a it still exists you know people are still concerned about contracting it about you know their own safety their their, the safety of their their child um you know there's a lot of anxiety it's it's, you know people are giving birth from a premise of anxiety already in a way that's never happened before let alone the anxiety they might feel if there are issues with their pregnancy or their other health that you know conditions they're having to manage or their other interpersonal challenges they're having to manage you know aside from or, or any other life stressors Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, in a way, the overall, as well as having to 
carry a child and then you're being told you've got diabetes or you've got high blood pressure or you you know and then you go home and then you've got maybe three other children to deal with all of, of all different ages and then they've got their issues because they're having to deal with the yeah. school yeah um education from home and if dad has lost his job or dad um can't go yeah. to work he has to stay home as well it's it a lot and then you've also got to look at where people mm. are living. Are they living um, in a in a lovely area where they can get out maybe yeah. once in a while and the children go to yeah. the park? Because children are not used to being told you can't come, you can't yes, go out. Yes, no, they're not. They're not. They don't know what that means no. <laughs> because they've always been mm, able to go mm. out. You know, and it can have a lot of... Um, stress mental stress on completely completely you know so i really commend you could you please share with us just a little bit about your workshop yeah sure so um my workshops um have been yeah i guess mainly around helping mums to um you know maintain a healthy mind during pregnancy and and afterwards so um some of the workshops I've run, run have been around you know just psychological well-being in, in pregnancy and the postnatal period so thinking about um managing difficult thoughts ways to manage difficult emotions or intense emotions just thinking a little bit about like I said you know the aspect of advocacy how they can integrate that into um, you know, how their, you know, their own journey of giving birth and, and the postnatal period, but also thinking a lot about self-care and what, um, and what, and what their needs are as well, because, you know, and, and thinking about that in relation to what their needs are personally for them, what do they need to thrive? What are their values? What are the things they want to be in touch with even during this time? What enhances their quality mm. of life? You know, then thinking about needs in relation to, you know, interpersonal needs. What do you need from your, your partner if you have one? Um, or what do you need from your support network? Um, what do you need from them specifically? And just also thinking about what you need from professionals, actually. How, you know, for some, you know, it might be thinking about like, you know, because language is, la the language used is so important. It might be like, you know, you having the types of, you know, conversations with yourself about, well, what type of language do you want to be used when, when you're giving birth, you know, you know, things like, um, you know, statements like failure to progress and, you know, all of these things they can yes. really leave really, you know, in my, in my, you know, experience with working with, with moms, they can really leave a feeling of guilt and, and shame and like they haven't done something wrong. So it might be, you know, it might be a bit strange to kind of bring that up because maybe many people don't, but kind of thinking actually it's really important for me for, for things to be framed in a positive way. Because if you know that that, you know, other people's language and what they say really affects you. So um, or it might be, you know, how you want the, you know, the environment. As I know, obviously, there's limitations, but what you like the environment, the, your birth environment to be like. But I think it's very much about helping, helping mums to really make sure that they put themselves at the center of what's happening, even if yes. they feel the professionals aren't that they still have the right to put themselves at the centre and keep bringing themselves back into the picture if they feel they're being pushed out or, you know, continuing that dialogue and ways to, you know, kind of ways to, to, to do that. And, you know, also thinking a little bit about triggers and what might be likely to trigger them during this whole process, whether in pregnancy, during birth, postnatal period, and planning ahead for that as much as is possible. But also, you know, thinking about where to seek help and identifying organisations or services where you know if you'd you know say for example somebody was in the position where they ended up with a baby who had to be admitted to NICU that's never the plan but it's like you know knowing you knowing that organizations like Bliss um, exist and they work with people who have babies who are poorly and you know um, yeah and they offer parent support and it's like just knowing that because it's very difficult when you're in the throes of something really hard start trying to kind of put your rational brain on and think oh this is where I can seek help or I need to go here or I need to go there you know even up to things like mm. breastfeeding and identifying um breastfeeding support outside of what can be offered in the NHS because it is limited yes. um and you know very much yes. about you know one of my kind of things that I say is that you know not everybody can afford to do so but you, you know if you can outsourcing what you can outsource and actually very it's very much being about rest and connecting with what's meaningful to you as much as is possible 
um and mm-hmm. and just being aware of being being attuned to yourself i think is is the is the way to kind of be guided through um so those are some of the things we talk about um in workshops and just thinking a little bit about the impact on relationships and you know conflict that can happen and how to manage that and um yeah um yeah lots of range and then then I also kind of talk about common perinatal mental health difficulties that can be experienced and who 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 are the right Mm -hmm. people to talk to like your GP your midwife your health visitor or you know where you can seek counseling or therapy and um you know or or, or kind of like more community-based support so like peer-to-peer support and 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 things like that so it's been it's been really it's been really good to be able to have those workshops and uh, workshops and offer that space really because you know ther- even though the the work that I do is predominantly is offering therapy you know that's not for everyone um and for some people it's enough just to have you know, a couple of sessions around birth prep and postnatal planning. Or um of course, yeah. I yeah. That's really good. So yeah, it's um and it is so needed mm, as well. Completely, completely, yeah. I think um, you know, the clients that I've worked with, they really, really found having that space actually to just think these things through with someone um quite, you know, beneficial mm. because, you know, sometimes it just feels like I think there's what I pick up sometimes is that a sense of kind of feeling like they get they they sometimes might get lost in and among everything that's happening. Yes. Um and the more yes. lost you feel you're getting, the harder it is to speak up or, you know, re-engage, mm. especially if what you know you're talking to, you know, there's the, you're having to sort of interact with people who you'll find you find it difficult to interact with, or actually you've got quite a challenging pregnancy, or you have other things going on in your in your life so um i think it's it's a key thing is about space creating space that needed um mm. is is what i you know what i'm in de- what i'm endeavoring to do <laughs> anyway so it sounds beautiful i just think that um it's definitely something that's needed and i think you've really hit the nail on the head by having workshops that help in that mm. area what is it like for the fathers to be or fathers that are with these women who are suffering from perinatal do you get a lot of fathers sharing um well actually all all the clients perinatal clients i've had have been mums actually um so i haven't had any direct experience working with fathers um i mean obviously i know certain things from the research and you know my just my my general knowledge about the perinatal period but it, it's yes. something that I'd like to expand to offer services for um yes. at some point in the future mm. but at the moment I've been working specifically with with mums um but I think you know right. based on you know based on what you know clients might say in relation to their partners or you know you know what the research shows us is that I think sometimes there can be um a feeling of having to I guess in relation to birth trauma partners feeling like um you know they have to hold that trauma because sometimes you know the Mm. the the their partner the woman may not even have been you know say somebody's had to be rushed into first for emergency for a cesarean birth but they've had to be you know under general anesthetic or something like that um you know um then the father's kind of having to contain that and manage that risk or you know well not manage the risk but I mean kind of like contain that and be the ones kind of hold the fort I suppose um and that can be really really anxiety provoking and birth can also be very traumatic for birth partners whether that's male or female and but I think there's also sometimes a sense of feeling like they can't they can't say how they feel or how distressed they might be about something because it wasn't them that had Mm. to give birth um and you know I think it's you know with that I think the way to manage that is about realizing that actually yes they weren't the ones that had to give birth but that doesn't invalidate their own experience and the reality is that often birth partners or partners fathers um often are the ones that are then left to kind of predominantly support that mum if she's really struggling so actually the mental health of the fathers or the birth partners or partners is actually really important because if their mental health is compromised their part that you know their 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 wife or their girlfriend or you know whoever's um you know 
mental health is also compromised, then it's really hard. But if you can support fathers to support their 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 partners, then it, it has benefits mm. for the whole family. And you know, perinatal mental health is a family affair. It's not just about the woman, because you know sometimes there's also children involved and yes. in the you know the impact of that. Oh, oh wow! You know, impact of how what's going on with their mom, um, or their dad, or or their you know, um, and you know the impact on that as well and and sometimes you know I I don't work with children um at the moment but sometimes I wonder like you know about their own voices and what happens to them as well and I think it's not just about providing individual therapy which is what I do predominantly but about couples therapy family therapy family support you know and I think that's again where doulas are really fantastic I know they're not therapists but I know but they still support the whole family as well um so I think yeah. we need we need more more things um, and sources of support like that. And I think more and more. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people don't know about doulas actually, but I think that what they do is you know is really incredible actually. Which is quite surprising because I was a doula. Oh really? Oh wow! And, yeah, and I'm still today hearing people say, "What's a doula?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah, I'm oh my gosh." But there's a lot of people who still are new to what yeah. a doula does, you know, and who a doula is. And I'm thinking, this is really strange because you'd, you'd think that something as, well, for those of us who are on that path would know them, of them. But obviously, if you're a, 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 a couple with no children, then all of a sudden, you know, mm. you're going to be a parent it doesn't necessarily do is not the first person you'll be thinking of so but it yeah it's really it's really surprising to me that people still do not yeah know what it's, it's are. i think that's a massive shame because i mean i i know because of my interest in perinatal mental health i know what doulas are and it's through my interest that i found out what doulas are um and you know i, I follow a lot of doulas on on on, on um, social media but um I yeah like yes. a lot of people in my own circles like friends you know family members if I've met you know I mentioned do, a doula to them they're like well what's that <laughs> and I just think yeah I don't know yeah. I know it's a lot more well known in America but I don't know I just there's so many I think though still in the UK but it just seems oh there's loads in the UK but for some reason I'm not too sure how or why people yeah. really don't know about them but then once you are pregnant. They just, you know, mm-hmm. you just go on Facebook or you go on Instagram. You know, you're bound to find someone who do. knows or will suggest. Yeah. Have you hired a doula? I, you know. So, but yeah, it's it's something that's definitely, um, yeah, it doesn't stand out. Yeah, it's a it shame because the research out. shows how beneficial having a doula actually is. Really, yes. really beneficial, yes. and I, you know, I'm. I know that I know that you know people don't always have the the funds to pay for it, but then again, that goes back to that question of what what's important, what are you prioritizing? Because people generally do st- still spend quite a lot of money in preparing for um, having a child, and you know, I think I think it, you know, I kind of see it almost as like an essential part. I feel everyone should have one, um, really. Yes. But um, so yeah. you know, that's something I do suggest to, to clients. You know, I say you know sensitively because again, not everybody can afford it. But I say you know if you if you could, perhaps look into it. It, it you know it does it does make a difference. Well, there, do you know that there are a lot of doulas? Oh, okay. okay. Doulas now. Yeah, I'll send you oh, a link. No, so be, at least you've got that'd be great. Thank you. you. They can't, you know, because they. I mean, obviously, yeah, people do say mm. it's the money. You know, and then there's also doulas that barter if if you're good at something and the doula says, oh, would you be able to like, give your husband a paint decorator? And she'll say, well, you know, I'm happy to support you. And if, you know, your partner could help do a bedroom mm. for me or something or, you know. And so there are some doulas that do payment that way. And there are doulas that also, I'm sure you know this as well, they will happily have yeah. pay in increments until the baby's born so you know there are different ways but I don't think that money should be an issue and for the doulas that say that they're quite happy to volunteer I think is fantastic yeah definitely and I believe um, I don't know if they're still doing it but I I believe doula UK do have a, a fund 
or um, you know, yes, for mums in financial hardship, which would, who would benefit from having that doula support, which is great that they yes. that they do that. So, yes. yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's it's the oh, I mean, what you're doing is so brilliant because I mean, mm-hmm. if you've got workshops of just women who are there and telling you and sharing with you things that have either gone through their mind, either because I mean, even you've had. Well, I've had pregnant women talk about having mm. nightmares and um, mm. some have been abused. And these yeah. things come up in their pregnancy. Yeah. It didn't come up before, but then all of a sudden it just seems to stay. What, what, why is that? Do you know? Yeah, you, I think, I think the reason is that? is that because, you know, for most people, actually pregnancy, um, becoming a becoming a parent, um, or even if it's you, you've already had a child before, it's still, that pregnancy is still new. Um, I think it's because it's such a life-altering experience. And actually life-altering experiences, whatever they, whatever they might be, positive or negative or however they're framed, actually can be triggered, they, they can be triggers. Um, they can bring things up from the past that you didn't think about before or you did, but, but it was kind of like at the back of your mind. Right. But there's, I think for, for again, yes. it's not for everybody, but I think for a lot of people, it can be, it can be really confronting becoming a parent. Um, they might think about their own parents in a different way. They might think about their own childhood in a different way. It All of a sudden yes. your, your positioning completely yes. changes. It shifts in a way that you've never known before. Mm. And actually it's a lot it's a lot that's going on it's a lot is changing it's you know you're you're growing a human being um and that's 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 a huge thing I know it happens all the time but 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 at the same time it doesn't always happen all the time for many people and many people struggle you know with with um fertility but I think that's the thing is like when something life-changing because it can be stressful it can be very stressful especially if there are other issues or other things going on in somebody's life at the same time is that you know people are people can become more I guess emotionally vulnerable, um, and so when we're more emotionally vulnerable, we might be more likely to maybe develop mental health difficulties or kind of like be more susceptible to things that maybe we were able to kind of keep at bay um, before. But I think it's quite interesting because it doesn't happen for everyone. For some people, that's not their experience. But I think in my experience of the clients that I've worked with, is that it really it really does bring up thing you know thinking about your own childhood and perhaps traumas that happened during childhood or adolescence and um you know things that you might have been able to ignore but I guess I suppose becoming a parent and having a child of your of your own you're 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 seeing it from a different lens and that's that's that can become a kind of like a constant reminder you know because that is what you're doing you're parenting you've got a child and then you can't separate yourself completely from from that you bring your whole experience to it whether you you know whether you those experiences are are negative or or positive or anything in between so I think it's really normal for people to experience that um it it might feel out of the blue but um a lot of people do in my experience anyway do do experience that sort of reawakening of things that sometimes aren't know are difficult and have you seen mothers that have come to you um kind of change or say to you thank you so much because it's really helped and you know um yeah Yeah, definitely I've seen positives I suppose um in my in my um I guess my line of work often you kind of you work with people and then you know, they go off once you finish your, your course of work with them. And, um, you know, so I, yes. I will normally get some sort of feedback at the end of my course of therapy sessions or, you know, birth prep sessions or a birth debrief, for example. And often, you know, it is it is positive feedback and it is feedback around feeling really grateful for the space. And it's really helped them give themselves to things for themselves to think about and help them to not ignore themselves actually and help them to not ignore their voice and to find you know other ways to to exercise that um and so you know it's, it's been really it's really great to receive that positive feedback and you know I really feel like oh you know it's great that I've been able to make a difference um to to this you know to this person's life at this point in time but I suppose the only thing is um about my line of work is that you you know sometimes you might always want to be a fly on the wall a few months later to see how they're 
but obviously yes. that's not how it works. <laughs> you just have to trust that whatever you the work you yes. did, whatever progress you made, that they'll internalize that and carry that with them. And you, mm. so it's a lot of it's a lot of trusting. It's a lot of trusting that you've planted a seed now. Um, or even if you start to kind of almost cultivating a garden and, you know, they take it forward, you can only help them so far on that journey. And so you hope that, you know, they're able to use the skills or, you know, some of the things that, that they, they, they gained or they gleaned through, through therapy. So yeah, it would be nice to kind of go back in a few months, a year and think, Oh, how, how did things go? <laughs> but um, Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, no, I just, I think it's um, what you're doing is, I really, I'm just fascinated as I'm listening to you <laughs> just thinking, wow, you know, where exactly are you? So London, I'm based in you? Northwest London, um, but I mean, I'm doing everything virtually at the moment. So um, yeah, yes, it'd be nice to be able to do things face to face in the coming months, but um, yeah, everything's been virtually, but I suppose the nature of therapy mm-hmm. and running workshops and stuff, so you can do it all virtually, to be honest. Um yeah so but um yeah I'm really I really enjoy I really really enjoy um the work that I do and I I enjoy particularly working with um black black mums as well because I think there's a disadvantage there in terms of the prevalence of mental health but also the level of support and access to support that they they get so I'm quite happy to focus on that it's I'm not I don't exclude other races or ethnicities but um you know, I feel I feel particularly passionate about working with with them, to be honest. So yes, yeah. And what are the typical themes that emerge? Um, I think things around maternal identity um, that emerges a lot. Um, other themes are around um, self criticism, really high expectations of oneself. Um, you know, and and sometimes difficulties with um, self compassion and um, and self care. Actually, that that conflict and that battle to look after yourself, whilst also kind of balancing one's needs with the needs of or the needs or demands of um, family life, or what you know professionals might be saying to you, mm. to them. Sorry, um, and. Um, yeah those are some of the themes and, and and then I guess you know going back to what we talked a little bit about earlier was the themes of like the impact of childhood experiences difficult childhood experiences on bonding with their babies and attaching to their babies and how and yeah but that's that's very relevant both to maternal identity but also their their attachment to their to their infant as well so a lot um so a lot of I have done a lot of work with with women around you know, impact of childhood experiences. And there's this um, phrase, um, actually, that it's, it's been coined by uh, um, uh, a, well, a psychoanalyst, which is a, a therapist who um, specialises in, in psychodynamic therapy, which I'm sure some people have not heard of. But um, it's, it's, it's from somebody called um, Freyberg, and it's called Ghosts in the Nursery. And so the idea about that is that sometimes okay. when people become parents is that ghosts from the past, so ghosts from their own childhood or relationship with their own caregivers can kind of like intrude on their own relationship with their own child and sometimes they can feel like there's an enmeshment that goes on and sort of you know um there can be projections I suppose of maybe what they experience as a child that can be projected onto the relationship that they have with their child or the projecting the relationship their parents had with them with their relationship with their child and you know, people can find people can find it difficult, and sometimes people can feel you know feel difficult things like that. Maybe their baby doesn't like them, or like their baby prefers their partner. And you know, it's about not taking that for face value and thinking, well, what's wow. going on there? What makes you think that they prefer your partner, or what makes you think, what, what what's what's getting in the way of your connection? Right. And sometimes it can be that people's um, when they have a baby, that baby really reminds them of themselves but then, or really looks like them as well. Mm. But then because maybe they have difficult, a difficult relationship with, to parts of themselves, it's hard to kind of see someone who feels like it's like holding up a mirror to you. And then sometimes that can be why there's a right. disconnect that can be felt. So, you know, with, with something like that, it would be about kind of like um, separating 
the baby as some as a completely different separate person and separating that from from them and their own experiences as well so that that connection can kind of not be contaminated or can be decontaminated and they can connect on a on a base on 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 the basis of reality of what's happening in the here and now right now so um yeah I really like that that that's a concept I use a lot in my work this idea of the ghost ghost in the nursery and it's like well what ghosts are there what what's what's getting in the way that comes from the past and sometimes people aren't aware of this it's not conscious but it it get it does get in the way so um it's about exploring if that is what might be happening for 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 a moment have you have you ever seen or been concerned of um a mother maybe like self-harming or you thought that uh, she might harm her baby has there anything a situation ever been like that at all or is everyone everyone all right with Mm. the classes that you come to they you know they don't even though they have their issues babies are fine but um in in my um not so far because I suppose with my with my private work and the women that I see privately um I'm I'm very you know I do ask about risk I do ask if those sorts of, you know, in an initial assessment right. or an initial, yeah, initial assessment, not necessarily in the, in the first meeting that I speak to them, but an initial assessment. So a first session, just to kind of get a bit more detail about things. I would ask if, you know, maybe people are, ha- you know, having those sorts of thoughts, maybe a bit of suicidal ideation or thoughts of self-harm or anything like that, or, you know, difficult thoughts in relation to their, to their baby. Um, but often those aren't, um, because of, I guess the, where I get my referrals from and things, um, and, you know, I, I'm quite boundaried around that. So I don't have the capacity as just me myself to contain that. So, um, I, I wouldn't see somebody privately who maybe were, was, did had, had elevated risk in that way. Um, and normally, you know, um, you know, mm. women in that situation might be seen more in an NHS setting. So in a perinatal mental health community team. So, which is a multidisciplinary, um, yeah. team of, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, um, occupational therapists, psychiatric nurses but they work with people who are experiencing moderate to severe perinatal mental health issues so if if somebody so so far no I haven't um well no well you know obviously people choose what they disclose but nobody has disclosed that to me um so but um you know it's important that if if anybody ever did then you know, you would give them the contacts of a you know sort of like the 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 local crisis number or you know, GP or speaking to a midwife, yeah. health visitor, you know, whoever. But um, I imagine people do have those thoughts. And a lot of, I think there's a lot of stigma around it. So I imagine even if people are having those thoughts, they don't say it. Yeah, but um, there is help Not out the there. Like I said, you know, even mother and baby units, which is when it's even on the more, even more severe end. Um, so, and it doesn't, you know, disclosing this doesn't mean your baby's going to get taken away. But I think that's a real fear. And I understand why it's a real fear because you know it's happened it does happen to people but um I think if you if you've got good healthcare providers normally what they want to do is to help you to maintain your relationship with your baby because it doesn't do anybody any good doesn't you do you good your baby any good to be separated um so I think that that and that's the idea behind mother and baby units is that so women can have inpatient treatment but still have their baby there so I do think it's you know I know it's easier said than done but it's really important to speak out and to seek help from somebody who feels safe even if it's a friend and that maybe that friend can help you speak to your you know come to an appointment with you well you know maybe not in person right now but or something or your partner and then I kind of say what's going on for you so but yeah I, I really I really do feel so sadly for the amount of, I guess, emotional suffering that a lot of mums are experiencing that's unsaid and that's unspoken. Mm. Um, and, you know, yeah. I'm really passionate about my work because I, I always, I just want to be one of those people who can create a safe space among maybe a multitude of other spaces that don't feel particularly safe to be able to speak and, and, and you know, kind of tell their own emotional truths about what's, what's going on. So... Yeah, but it's something to be aware of. Definitely asking about risk because you you never know, to be honest. So, of course, no. I'm I'm just yeah. I'm very much 
inspired by your (laughs) your knowledge and your passion you know Mm. all this and it's so so needed especially now yeah this time which is a shame really um but uh as long as there are individuals like yourself that are able to where a mother can reach out to and say look I'm going through this I think Mm. that is just what's needed that really is what's needed and I do thank you um Dr. Onabanja for sharing such wealth, gems, (laughs) tips, solutions to our listeners Mm. so that, you know, because we don't know, we don't know, we, you know, Mm. we can say, oh, that's not me, but then a situation may pop up where it ends up where you're going to need someone like you to speak to and say, look, I'm having um, mental health issues. How can, how can you help me? So I yeah I I really do thank you for your time and yes I, I do I have, a website, you, yes. you have a website yes yes <laughs> and it's www dot yeah it's not Dr. Dr. it's D R no it's D R O R I N O N a-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-